It's a tale as old as time. When we're young, we roll our eyes at our parents' political beliefs at dinner. And as we age, we get a taste of our own medicine when we cop those same eye rolls from our children. Generational divides have been as certain as death and taxes, but in recent data out of the US, UK and Germany, also South Korea, it's revealed that there is this new ideological divide brewing, this time between genders. Data analysis of voting trends between young men and women shows that the latter is far outstripping the boys when it comes to progressive ideologies as young men slip towards conservatism. Is this something that you've seen or heard in the young men in your life? Are you surprised at their conservatism? Or are you a young person who finds themselves arguing politics with other Gen uh, Z or X? Y or whatever up to Q, uh, and also women. I mean, have your political views changed with age? Have you found yourself shaking your fist at those damned progressive youths lately? Uh, do you think there's a centre and right of politics and perhaps there's a loss of the grip of uh, the future for certainly the generation now entering the spotlight? Let me know what you think. 0418 is the text line. Some very thoughtful and fascinating contributions from you. Margaret says, uh, do young men develop conservative views as part of the manosphere extreme right tendencies because they want a trad or traditional wife who will pander to them, not a modern woman who will challenge them, says Margaret. Uh, this one too, JB in Elwood in Victoria says, I'm three quarters of a century old and the Abbott and Morrison years sent me scuffling further to the left. Uh, lots of excellent other uh, texts. We'll get to some more in just a moment. Tell me what you think about this, this emerging divergence between the genders when it comes to the position on the political spe spectrum, 0418 Dr. Sean Ratcliffe is a political scientist and principal of Accent Research and joins me in the studio. Welcome to you. Thanks for having me. Typically, we see ideological patterns measured by generations, but why are we now starting to see this play out across gender lines, particularly in young generations? Yeah, so traditionally, there hasn't been a big gap between men and women of the same age. Uh, if anything, if we go back several decades, women might have actually been slightly more conservative than men at the same age. Uh, but what we've seen, and it's not new as in like the last year or two. It's it's something that's emerged over the last few decades in a number of different countries, including Australia. But we've seen uh, women, young women become a little bit more progressive than young men uh, on a lot of issues. So particularly social issues like around abortion, sexual harassment, but also things like immigration and how we help Aboriginal Australians. So it's it's across a number of different issues. According to the Stanford research uh, on this, the this change has happened even more quickly. Uh, some Gallup data in the US says that the genders have split by up to 30 percentage points in just six years, which is incredible to think about how quickly that's come about. Yeah, it's happened much faster in the US and, and to a larger extent in the US than it has here. And some of that probably has a little bit to do with the, the pres Trump presidency. Uh, which certainly split the genders, with women in particular uh, not being, and not just young women, older, middle-aged women and older women too, being less uh, favourable of Donald Trump than than men of the same age. So, what are these factors, these driving factors uh, towards this, the, I suppose, this swing towards the left in younger generations, particularly for women? I mean, classically, you'd understand um, progressives to want uh, equality, and also the idea that the generations have been left a promise for what they will have. 
uh, is that not not uh, happening? Because obviously the property market in Australia, the the share of intergenerational, intergenerational wealth uh, seems to not be applied equally. So what are these push factors? Yep, so I like to think of the things that are driving generational politics in Australia as coming from two different sources. One is the life cycle factors. So where are you at in your life? And traditionally that was seen as something that drove people towards conservatism over time. So you get a full-time job, you start paying taxes, you get married, you buy a house, you have children. All these things are traditionally associated with shifting to the right politically. And we are seeing millennials at least uh, do these things later in life than earlier generations. So millennials are studying longer than Gen X and baby boomers did. They're buying a house later. They're getting married later. They're having children later, if at all. Uh, So we're seeing these things happen a bit later, which might help contribute a little bit to them Uh, younger generations being a little bit more left-leaning or not becoming as conservative with age. There's also uh, what I like to consider more cohort effects. So how the generations are actually different from each other. And these don't necessarily change with age. So things like uh, your level of educational attainment, whether you speak a language other than English at home, uh, whether you identify as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, whether you identify as LGBTQ+, so gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. Uh, So we see younger generations, particularly Gen Z, they look quite different on some of these measures than older generations. Identities become uh, political, particularly in the past decade. So, I mean, is is this only restricted to these younger uh, demographics? Uh, No, identity is important for everyone. And I think it always has been. I don't think that's necessarily a new thing. It's just the identities that matter politically change over time. But one area we've noticed that that Gen Z in particular look quite different in is they're a bit more likely to identify as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander than older generations. So about twice as, uh, three times as likely as baby boomers, uh, which is really interesting. So um, over 5% versus about 1.5% for baby boomers. And the big one though is... uh, Gen Z and particularly Gen Z women, and this is where we get back to the gender gap, are much more likely to identify as LGBTQ+. Uh, So one in five Gen Z women identifies LGBTQ+. Uh, That's below 5% for baby boomers. Mm. Um, so, so when you think one in five of members of a generation that are that are that are women um, see themselves as as predominantly bisexual, but also you know gay or lesbian uh, or transgender, uh, that's a big part of the generational cohort. Um, and what we find is LGBTQ plus women that are Gen Z are very, very left wing. Um, over half voted for the Greens at the last election and only 5% voted for the coalition. Yeah, that's interesting. I want to come back to this idea of who's um, uh, electorally uh, benefiting from this shift. It's uh, 23 past four. Political scientist Dr. Sean Ratcliffe is in the studio with me. We're talking about this growing ideological gap in younger generations uh, on RN Drive. I'd love to hear from you. Weigh in on this, 0418 This text uh, says, uh, why should a political divide between males and females only be an issue for politics and economics? What about the effects on personal? relationships. I mean, that's certainly a good point. Uh, This one too, I am 71 and I uh, have very progressive views concerned about climate change and social justice. I formed my views in my uni years after leaving school and they've not changed. 
I've spent 30 years objecting to neoliberal economics as well. I also believe workers should join unions, and that's from Christine. And this one too, uh, the current growing divide isn't between conservative and liberal. Fundamentally, it's become uh, nativist versus globalist. The lack of mass migration to Australia like that seen in the US and Europe has made this less obvious, but nonetheless, the undercurrents remain. Uh, let's come back to this idea, you know, in terms of the gender gap particularly and whether or not, uh, well, how this affects the political and electoral landscape. Do you think that the political parties are equipped to adapt to this change? Uh, I think it does pose challenges, particularly for the major parties. So what we're seeing is young voters are becoming less likely to vote for the, the Labor Party and the coalition. The Greens are the big beneficiary of this, but they're not the only one. So these voters are, are going off and voting for other parties. They're not necessarily getting locked into either of the major parties at a young age. Now, that could change as they get older, but we're not seeing that yet. So the Greens so far are the big beneficiaries, particularly with young women, less so young men. Um, and... Whether or not the major parties are, are, are able to equip with that, well, that depends on, on, on whether they see this as a priority. And part of the issue, I think, here is that younger voters tend to be much more socially liberal than older voters. And so a political party, if it's trying to appeal to a broad cross-section of society, it's got to work out what issues can it appeal to younger voters on that won't necessarily alienate older voters. Um, so a good example is The Voice, we just had the referendum late last year. So overall, it lost quite convincingly, about 60-40, 60% voted yes, 40% no. For Gen Z, though, that was the other way around. So 60% of Gen Z voted yes, 40% voted no. So compared to the rest of the electorate, they were massively in favour of the voice. And so in this case, the coalition took a very strong position opposing the voice, and that may have helped alienate it from some younger voters that were quite supportive. What about the stage three tax cut changes that the government announced last week? How, how do you, we put this generational or even gender divide through that policy lens? That one's a little bit more complicated because, so, so I, I mentioned that younger voters, particularly Gen Z, tend to be more socially liberal. On economics though, that's it's not as clear cut. So when we look at things like taxation and spending, Gen Z and millennials look more like the middle of the pack. So they're actually a little bit more, at least on some of the data I've seen, a little bit more right-wing than baby boomers on these issues. Middle Australia, which we've heard ad nauseum from the Prime yeah, Minister yeah, yeah. all last so, week. So Gen X are actually the most conservative at the moment on, on taxation uh, and, and millennials in particular, but also to an extent Gen Z, a bit more centrist. And I think that part of that is because these are voters, particularly millennials and Gen X, they're in the sort of getting or getting towards the prime earning years of their careers while baby boomers are retired. So now all of a sudden, baby boom, a lot of baby boomers, I don't want to generalise We've got a lot of, you know, variety of attitudes within these groups, but on average, baby boomers are maybe getting a bit more, okay, I'm, I'm okay with higher taxes and more spending on social services now because I'm retired. <laughs> I, I'm getting the pension. But while, while millennials and particularly Gen X, they're at the peak of their earning capacity, so they're paying more tax and they have different views and that might change as they get older as well. Uh, so I think on, on the stage three tax cuts, it might not be quite as clear cut on generational issues because... Uh, these voters aren't necessarily as as defined on their generation on some of the economic matters. But I suspect at the end of the day, you'll probably see older and middle-aged voters being a bit more conservative and especially quite young voters in their 20s being a bit more, you know, maybe being a bit more supportive of uh, 
a different set of tax cuts that maybe benefits a different group of voters. So if if we do agree that the stage three tax cut changes were a, a, like a, a soothing note for the emerging generations, particularly uh, X and, uh, well, everyone below, will we expect more of these kinds of plays? Because clearly if the major political parties, and we saw at the last election the primary vote for the major parties, some of the lowest on record, it must, it's existential. We're going to see more of this surely from, from Labor, but perhaps more so from the conservative side of politics. Yeah, I think, as I said, particularly on social issues is where I think the, the major parties need to look if they want to appeal to younger voters. It's not saying it's purely a social issue matter, but it's it's less clear-cut on economics. I think the coalition will have to work out how it's going to balance off its, its very heavy levels of support with older voters, who tend to be quite socially conservative on a lot of issues, with younger voters that are more liberal, uh, particularly in some of these seats like that the, the coalition lost at the last election, like Wentworth... In, in Sydney's eastern suburbs and, and North Sydney just over the harbour. Uh, these are seats that have a very well-educated population that tend to be quite socially liberal. Uh, they're a bit older, so especially Wentworth, but they do still have plenty of younger to middle-aged voters, so millennials, you know, the oldest millennials in their 40s now, uh, millennials and Gen Z, plenty of them there with high levels of education that tend to be socially liberal. And that, that's the group that likely lost the coalition these seats and, and you know, if they want to appeal to those voters, social liberalism plus perhaps something around housing, which is obviously something that affects a lot of younger voters that live in big cities where they're renting or trying to buy, you know, and they're paying very high housing costs. That's that's the area that you need to appeal to these voters on. It was remiss of me not to get you to nominate your generational tag just so <laughs> that we understand. Uh, <laughs> so I'm telling on myself a bit. Yeah. Who we're talking to. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm what's called a geriatric millennial. <laughs> <laughs> At the older end of the millennial cohort. <laughs> good to talk to you, political scientist and uh, principal of Accent Research, Dr. Sean Radcliffe. So good to talk to you this afternoon. Thanks for having me. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.